Okay, after a cup of coffee and that song, I'm ready to go. Good morning, Marin. I get a little, little nervous starting off our sermon today with a little bit of history, being that I'm a PE teacher. <laughs> but I do remember from the Revolutionary War, not that I was there personally, but just from studying about it, that we had the red coats against the blue coats. And during the war, I think it's always good to know who your enemy is. And to be able to tell the difference between the two, I grew up watching the TV show Combat. And I remember that the, the German helmets were a lot different from the American helmets. And I thought as a young man, it's always good to know who your enemy is. I understand I was talking to the history teacher at our school who teaches a class on war history as well. And I was asking him this question about uniforms, and he said that in the early days of the Civil War, that they were just throwing on anything, the, the North and the South, and it wasn't blue against gray at the very start. They were just throwing on whatever they had, possibly from the Mexican-American War. I don't know. I, get, I don't want to get out of my zone here. And many times, you didn't know who the enemy was. And people would fire on their own side, and people would be killed by friendly fire, which is a shame. Well, we come to the book of Jude, and you're saying, Steve, why were we talking about this? In the book of Jude, it's a big warning that false teachers have infiltrated the church, and you don't easily recognize them as the enemy. Now, I did grow up watching cartoons. And I remember cartoons like this, which really is like a verse in Matthew 7, 15. Watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. They, false teachers mingle in. They're hard to notice, and they do their damage. And the book of Jude is warning the church, you've got to watch out for these false teachers. They had false teachers both back in the early church, and we definitely have false teachers today. Last week, we ended with verse 11, just for the sake of review, which says, Woe to them, and this is the book of Jude, woe to them. They have taken the way of Cain. They have rushed for profit into Balaam's heir. They have been destroyed in Korah's rebellion. And the three stories we looked at last week shows the attitude of these false teachers, that there was pride, selfishness, jealousy, greed, lust for power, disregard for God's will. And God's judgment is coming. God's judgment is coming. So we take a look at Jude, verse 12 and 13, and Jude is going to use six illustrations to describe these false teachers. It says in these two verses, these people are blemishes at your love feast, eating with you without the slightest qualm. 
Shepherds who feed only themselves, they are clouds without rain, blown along by the wind, autumn trees without fruit and uprooted, twice dead. They are wild waves of the sea, foaming up their shame, wandering stars for whom blackest darkness has been reserved forever. I'd like to break down these two verses at these six characteristics. When I first take a look at the word blemishes, I think of something um, actually on your face, but actually in the original language, it has to do more with these blemishes being rocks that were hidden below the, the reef. You couldn't really see the rocks, but for the ancient ships, they would have to navigate through these, and many times the destruction was done before they recognized that there were rocks there. Of course, these love feasts had to do with the communion services that they had in the early church. It was actually a full meal. Very much, if you have, if you have ever been to one of our agape feasts pre-COVID, when we used to have the big potluck meals and then serve communion at the end, that's how the early church was. And these false teachers would come and partake of these communion dinners, and they would be like blemishes. They would, with no qualms about it, they would just come in, partake of the meal, like I'm doing nothing wrong. In fact, in the book of Corinthians, we know from Corinthians that many times many people misuse the Lord's meal back in those days. There were people that would take seconds before anybody had first, and people would go hungry. There were people that would get drunk at the communion meals and bring dishonor on themselves and really dishonoring the Lord because they were there to remember the sacrificial death of our Lord Jesus Christ. And in an unworthy manner, they partake of the meal. And here these false teachers would come, sit with the people. They weren't sincere. They loved the food. They loved the praise. They loved the honor. But their heart was so far away from honoring the Lord. No church function should ever be a situation where people are engaging in gluttony, selfishness, drunkenness, and division. And these false teachers were bringing division into the early church. The second description here, there were shepherds who fed only themselves. They cared, they only cared about them. They were number one in their life. These false teachers only cared about themselves. You know, in John's Thinking of sheep, and we're talking about a little bit of sheep here with that cartoon. John 10, with verse 11, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when, when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then when the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it, the man runs away because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. He just cares about himself. And that's how false teachers are. They could care less about the sheep. They're looking out for number one. 
The third description, they are clouds without rain, blown along by the wind. Of course, back in that agricultural society, they needed rain. And often the people would look up and see all these big clouds, and they would say, rain's coming. But sometimes the rains would not come. So these false teachers were clouds without rain. They promised something, but they didn't deliver. They promised, and they didn't come through. It's often like the lions, the pistons, the tigers, the red wings. And the first, it's almost like the first game of the season. A lot of promises, little delivery, okay? If I can make on a Super Bowl Sunday a little sports illustration there. The fourth one, they're autumn trees without fruit and uprooted, twice dead. In the Middle East, there were two harvests. There was a spring harvest and there was a fall harvest. The autumn harvest was very important because they needed that food to store for the winter. So for a farmer to go out and see a fruit tree in the fall and go up and see that it had no fruit, that was very, very disappointing. And they described it as twice dead. The tree did not have fruit, so it was dead, so it was uprooted, twice dead. Spiritually speaking, there's people that are twice dead. Because we, if a person does not know the Lord as the personal Savior, they experience both physical death, and spiritual death, twice dead. Number five, they are wild waves of the sea, foaming up their shame. Now, personally, when I take a look at the sea, I think of the sea as being something beautiful. Back in that day, when they traveled, it could be very treacherous, especially with storms. We know, for example, in the Bible, Paul was shipwrecked couple times. We know the story of Jesus when he calmed the storm. We know the story of Jonah who was uh, out in a storm. So we know that the sea potentially could be very, very dangerous. And the waves were untamed. They were unpredictable. They were all over the place. And here Judas saying these false teachers are untamed. They're wild. And what shows up, what their product shows up on the shore is like foam. I'm sure you've seen on the shoreline like foam and scum and whatever the waves come. And that's what these teachers were like. Isaiah 57:20 says, But the wicked are like the tossing sea, which cannot rest, whose waves cast up mire and mud. The sixth description of these false teachers, that they're wandering stars from whom blackest darkness has been reserved forever. You know, the ancient navigators, especially the sailors, they would use the stars and the planets as their navigational system. This was before GPS, right? And they knew that certain stars, they studied the stars and the planet, and there was a predictable pattern to them. Now, I, I really would have been in trouble. If I would have been a sailor, I would have been lost completely. 
because all I know is the Big Dipper and the Little Dipper. That's all I know. Don't ask me anything more. But these, uh, these sailors, you know, they studied the scars in these predictable patterns. But yet, these wandering stars are shooting stars. Now, shooting stars are not really stars. It's a meteor shower, right? Meteorite. So, very, you can't follow or navigate on a shooting star. It's just, boom, it's across the sky. It's very unpredictable. But that's how these false teachers are. They're, they were useless. Un, they were untrustworthy. And their doom is sort of like the black hole in space. Their doom is eternal darkness. And that's what's been reserved for them. Going back to Jude 14, uh, Jude 14, Jude is going to quote here and talk about Enoch. What's very interesting is he's going to quote again from another apocryphal book called the Book of Enoch. Uh, the Book of Enoch did not make the canonization of Scripture. It was a highly respected book by both Jews and Christians. And, um, of course, Enoch, we know Enoch. Enoch was the seventh generation after Adam. Enoch lived before the flood. Enoch was one of two people who did not die, right? Elijah and Enoch. Enoch walked with God and was no more. I had a little boy in my PE class years ago. I've, I've shared this story before, first grader. His name was Enoch. And I was having the kids run one day before gym class, and he was walking. And I came up to him. I said, Enoch, you might have walked with God, but you're going to run in my class. Let's go. <laughs> okay. One of the things I love about teaching is uh, I have a captive audience at my school. They're small. They laugh at my jokes. And I say, if you want a good grade, you have to laugh at my jokes. Okay, so. But little Enoch. In fact, Enoch was the father of Methuselah. Dr. John McClain, who I highly respect, one of the smartest men I know about the Bible, I stumped him one time on a Bible riddle. I said, the oldest man in the Bible died before his dad. The oldest man in the Bible died before his dad. And I stumped Pastor John briefly because his dad was Enoch. Enoch never died. So the oldest man in the Bible, Methuselah, died before his dad. Right? Okay. Now you can use that riddle. I, I gave you permission to use that riddle. Okay. Let people suffer a little bit and ponder it for a while before you give them the answer, okay? But he quotes from this book of uh, Enoch. Last week, we know that Jude quoted from another book called The Assumption of Moses. Paul often quoted from non-canonical um, books, and he thought that if the book spoke truth, he would use these other sources to, to support what he's trying to say, even though it was very clear that this was not scripture that he was speaking from. But here's what it says here in Jude 14. Enoch, the seventh from Adam, 
prophesied about them. See, the Lord is coming with thousands upon thousands of his holy ones to judge everyone. And by the way, as, you, as we watch, as we look at verse 15, look at all the times he uses the word awe and ungodly. To judge everyone and to convict all of them of all the ungodly acts they have committed in their ungodliness and all the defiant words ungodly sinners have spoken against him. Judah's using this book of Enoch to summarize. And by the way, this statement about the Lord coming with the angels is spoken in other passages of Scripture. This isn't new uh, revelation. It's just support of verses that are already in the Bible. We could look at other verses if we, if we had time that talks about the Lord coming with angels. But Judah's using this statement. That the Lord is coming in judgment. And woe to these false teachers who are spreading these false truths. He's going to go on to say that there's four descriptions of false teachers, starting with verse 16. These people are grumblers and fault finders. They follow their own evil desires. They boast about themselves and flatter others for their own advantage. So number one, they're very critical people. They're grumblers and fault finders, uh, habitual complainers. They're like the children of Israel out in the wilderness who are just constantly complaining. They live for their own passion. They follow their own evil desires. Number three, they, they boast about themselves. They're just arrogant, these false teachers. And they flatter others for personal gain. If you were like me growing up, I used to like to watch Leave it to Beaver. And if you remember, Eddie Haskell. Eddie Haskell would come over, and he would flatter Mrs. Cleaver. And he would come out like he was the greatest guy in the world, and then he would get upstairs, and he would just tear into the beeve and Wally, okay? And these false teachers, they're smooth talkers. They're smooth talkers. They get in the church, they infiltrate the church with their false teachings, and they engage in these, these smooth talkings, and they say things to their advantage. They say things and they, they, they make their words, they make, their words make you feel good, but they're trying to get something from you. Before I leave Enoch, I, I need to say that Enoch lived before the flood. Can you imagine Noah for 120 years building that ark and all the mocking that he took from those around him. 2 Peter 2.5 says that Noah was a preacher of righteousness. Just the act of building the ark in the presence of those around them caused people to question him. Why are you building an ark? I mean, rain, flood, they mocked him. But I'm sure he had opportunities to share with his neighbors. 
I love the passage in Matthew 24, verse 37, where it says, As it was in the days of Noah, so it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. For in the days before the flood, people were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, up to the day Noah entered the ark. And they knew nothing about what would happen until the flood came and took them all the way. That is how it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. Are Christians ridiculed today? Are we mocked today? In many ways, and it's only going to get worse. It's only going to get censored. It's only going to get worse. Jude now makes a transition just from the denunciation of the false prophets just to preparing the believers for these last days and, the, and these false prophets. Take a look at verse 17 and 18. But dear friends, remember what the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ foretold. They said to you, in the last times there will be scoffers who will follow their own ungodly desires. These are people who divide you, who follow mere natural instincts and do not have the spirit. Scoffers, scoffers are coming. We'll actually get to verse 19 a little bit later. I apologize for that. But you know, the apostles' teaching, at that time, maybe they didn't have the complete Bible like you and I have, but they had the oral tradition of the apostles. There were letters being passed. And the apostles had stated that scoffers would come, that there would be mockers and false teachers. Paul, in 1 Timothy 4.1, the Spirit clearly says that in later times, some will abandon the faith and follow deceiving spirits and things taught by demons. Peter, in 2 Peter 2, 1-3, says this, but there were also false prophets among the people, just as there will be false teachers among you. They will secretly introduce destructive heresies, even denying the sovereign Lord who bought them, bringing swift destruction on themselves. Many will follow their depraved conduct and will bring the way of truth into disrepute. In their creed, these teachers will exploit you, with fabricated stories. Their condemnation has long been hanging over them, and their destruction has not been sleeping. So what is Jude saying to the church? Be vigilant. Be alert. False doctrine is around. False teachers are around us. Even back then, they were talking about the last times. Now, it's a common phrase used in Scripture, last times. Usually, it, it refers to the time between the first coming of the Lord and the second coming of the Lord. So, it's a, it's a term. We certainly, we live in the last times. And since the apostles had predicted this 2,000 years ago, how much closer are we to the last days, last... And it's really not a time to be discouraged or depressed. It's actually, it's an exciting time. There's a story of an old preacher that was 
preaching to his church. And he was saying, the Lord is coming. The Lord is coming. And some man stood up, a critic in the church stood up and said, Pastor, I've been at this church a long time. I've heard you preach this many, many years, and the Lord still hasn't come. I'm out of here. He got up and walked out of the church. After he left, the pastor leaned over to the congregation. You have just seen another sign of the Lord's coming. Because scoffers are going to be here in the last days. People mocking the second coming of the Lord. Jude, now I'll go to Jude 19th, which I read earlier. These are the people who divide you, who follow mere natural instincts and do not have the spirit. We mentioned that most likely these false teachers were Gnostics. Gnostics believed that there was this mystical, higher revelation that was just given to the few and that others did not have it. So these Gnostics went around feeling privileged. They felt like they were honored because they have had this special message. So spiritually speaking, there was like the haves and the have-nots. That certainly was not good for unity in the church. It divided the church. They also believed that what was done in the body was meaningless. So they would go out and engage in all types of sexual sins because, hey, I'm doing it in the body. The spirit is good, body is meaningless, what I do in the flesh. Of course, all this divided the church. Here, Judah is saying, you know, they don't have the spirit. They do not have the spirit. They are unsaved. They are spiritually lost. Twice dead. So we need to be informed. We need to be alert. As the church, don't get fooled for smooth talkers. Test everything by the word of God. Don't be discouraged when you see these people among us, when we see them on TV, on social media, or wherever. The disciples, of course, in Acts 1.11, at the ascension of Jesus, you know, they're looking up, seeing the Lord go up, and, of course, the two angels were there. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back the same way you have seen him go to heaven. Judgment is coming. Judgment is coming. Acts 17, 31 says this. For he has set a day when he will judge the world with justice by a man he has appointed. He has given proof of this to everyone by raising him from the dead. Very famous passage of scripture in, in the book of um, Revelation. Revelation 19. You know, there, it's amazing. Many people think of Jesus as being some type of sissy, timid, weak person. 
But when you read Revelation 19, starting with verse 11, I saw heaven standing open, and there before me was a white horse whose rider is called Faithful and True. With justice he judges and wages war. His eyes are like blazing fire, and on his head are many crowns. He has a name written on him that no one knows but he himself. He is dressed in a rope dipped in blood, and his name is the Word of God. The armies of the heaven were following him, riding on white horses and dressed in fine linen, white and clean. Coming out of his mouth is a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations. He will rule them with an iron scepter, and he treads the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God Almighty. On his robe and on his thigh, he has this name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. He's, he's not a sissy. He's got a tattoo on his thigh. And he's got a sword in his mouth. And he's, uh, he's coming down and for judgment. You know, Jesus the first time came as a, as a lamb, as a humble servant. Second time he's coming as a lion. From Judah. I really like uh, Michael Yusuf. He was one of my resources for, for this sermon. And, and I loved his description and, uh, about the first coming and the second coming of, of the Lord. And, and the first coming, Jesus came in humility. He was a, a helpless babe. Second coming, he's coming with power, riding on a white horse. First coming, he, was, he had nowhere to lay his head. And the second coming, he's going to rule all the nations. And the first coming, he was spat upon. Second coming, he's going to rule with an iron scepter. First coming, people mocked him. Second coming, everybody will tremble before him. First coming, he was judged by Pilate, uh, Caiaphas, all the Jewish leaders. Second coming, he's going to be the only judge. First coming, he hung on the cross and he paid for all of our sins. Second coming, he's going to judge everyone who has rejected him. The first coming, he suffered and died on the cross. Second coming, all who rejected him is going to suffer and experience eternal damnation. First coming, he was ridiculed and he was put on his head a crown of thorns. The second coming, he's going to come with many crowns upon his head. And he's going to be the perfect judge. He, he's going to be the, the sentencer. Uh, no jury is needed. He's going to be the prosecutor, the sentencer. No jury is needed. There's going to be no appeals to a higher court because he is the higher court. He is the higher court. So the point is, woe to all the false teachers Woe to all the false teachers who, in this day and age, are going around telling people that there's many ways to God, many ways to salvation, that there's everybody goes to heaven, there is no, no such thing as hell, there's no such thing as Satan, everybody is saved, judgment is coming. Judgment is coming. And for us not to be discouraged as the church, but as Jude would say, let's be in God's word and be discerning. Let's be discerning and let's speak the truth in love. 
and pray for the unsaved, those around us, and pray for them. But at the same time, not to be discouraged, for we are living in the last days. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's close in prayer. Dear Lord, we thank you from this great warning from your word. And Lord, the early church, Lord, had their challenges with false teachers. Here we are 2,000 years later, and Lord, we see it. We see it. We should not be surprised. Your word prophesies about this. And Lord, so I just pray as a church that we would build each other up, that we would be into the word, that we would be a discerning church, that we would be true Bereans examining the scriptures. And Lord, we look forward to that day when you come again. Until that day, you have given us a job to do. And I just pray that we would finish this race well, that we would run strong to the very end, that we would be a faithful and good servant of yours. We pray this in all of God's people said. Amen. Amen.